welcome to Logger, episode 12. With you tonight is Devin. We also have Jeff and Zachary from the Gen 2 Games IRC channel. Dan wasn't able to make it again. I apologize for not having a show for quite a while. I guess we'll start with some introductions. Zachary, why don't you start? Well, I've been running the linuxgames.com site along with Crusader and Marv. I run dayclass.org slash lgfac, the Linux Gamers Fac. Um, I worked on a book, uh, Programming Linux Games, uh, with uh, Mark Nagel. And I've also uh, run a number of other projects at Linux World and various other things. So needless to say, you have a fair amount of experience. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we also have uh, Geoff, or Jeff. Jeff, yes. Jeff. <laughs> uh, what background do you have? Um, I'm teaching computer graphics and computer games at RMIT University in Melbourne, Australia. And I've been using Linux, well, Unix, for a long time. Uh, you're on 20 years. Uh, more on the education side than the development side, but occasionally dip into some development of one kind or another. All right. Uh, so I guess we're let's start out talking by uh, about wine. Cool. Uh, wine is not an emulator, which is what it stands for. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a layer of APIs that acts like Windows, but it's not technically an emulator, I guess. Well, I'm gonna have to disagree with you there. <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, All right. The uh, author of Wine, the original author, actually called it an emulator and said the name was just a joke, just like GNU's not Unix. It most certainly is Unix, but they just can't really call it that. Um, it, it it certainly does emulate Windows. Uh, right. So is is it uh is it was it just called that for a joke or was it also maybe to do maybe with the fact that Microsoft might not like an emulator? No, I mean, if Microsoft wanted to, they could shut it down any day of the week. Yeah. It, it, it's really that Microsoft doesn't care. Max <laughs> made some quite strong points about um, Wine and Sadiga at times on his websites, and I, I tend to agree that um, supporting native Linux ports is really what we'd like to see. Yeah. Well, Certainly there, there are ports that ha have not taken place because of Sadiga. Um, you know, we almost we almost had a game called I believe it was called Sacrifice. I, I I've never actually played it, but I know that it was canceled because you could basically get to run in, in what it was called at that time WineX, and uh, now called Sedega. Yeah. Um, it would have happened. It didn't happen because of that. And it, emulator or not, it certainly pre has prevented native Linux ports and. When you buy a Windows game, you're showing you you know you're showing that you're not supporting Linux, and you're not no one's going to register that as Linux gaming interest. As long as you're playing Windows games, and that's just about it. Like Zach said, there are some ethical issues with uh, Wine, uh, and uh, it's it's and it's not uh, quite. There's been some confusion on whether it's an emulator or not, but. Uh, it, I guess it really doesn't matter. It's what it does. Yeah. Uh, well, back 
before March of 2002, Wine was uh, released under the MIT license? I think it was DSD. Oh, but was? either or. Either or. I mean, same thing. Yeah. And uh, then they, uh, in March of 2002, they changed to the LGPL because they were yeah. afraid of people forking it. Right. And, and that's when uh, the Sedega guys took up that code and uh, uh, I think they had some license code from Microsoft or something like that. Yeah, they had license code for um, CD-ROM security software, like Secure-ROM. This is why you need a no CD key or no CD hack in Wine to play games, um, and and not in Sedega. Yeah. So uh, Sedega is now a uh, commercial uh, Wine specific, mostly uh, for games. That's correct. That's and um, yeah, and and they. Ha- they have a number of developers who started on the Wine program, program and, and you know left to go work on Sedega commercially and yeah. release various products for non-Linux platforms. So there's some confusion as to whether you know Linux gamers have been funding you know Mac Sedega software, which they now call Cider, and just came out. And you know it, it's very. It's a very complex issue because we can't see internally what what a trans gaming company is doing with the money that they get from their subscription fees, but most certainly some of it's going to fund uh, macOS gaming and you know with this you know new version of Sedega that's has a better user interface and wraps games more completely than it does in Linux. So you think that it is indeed. Uh Making it so there are less Linux games out there. Well, certainly. I mean, uh, you, you know, you can point to games that haven't been ported because of it, and you don't see you don't see developers who have any interest in porting to Linux besides a few. You know, id Software, uh, Savage, who made a. You know, the, there's an online RTS uh, game that. Was ported to Linux. A couple other commercial games, but not not too many. Too many. Let's mention Introversion just there. But yeah, Introversion's great. They they poured you know their Darwinia and and their um, Uplink, which are both yeah excellent games. And it, it'd be great to see more like that too. Indie, indie developers certainly have the best time porting to Linux because they get you know the extra. A thousand sales, or however many that they get, is worth it to them. Well, it may not be worth it to, say, a bigger publisher like e- Electronic Arts. Yeah. Do you think that's the driver, Zach, or do you think that they do it because they're kind of techs who just want to do the Linux thing? Well, I, I think that the I Indies that do the it because it's it's for sales. It's because it makes them feel good. It's because it irons out bugs. There are a number of great reasons to port your game to Linux and you know those reasons just aren't applicable to large companies when you know a thousand extra sales isn't that much to them well I think that uh, introverts specifically uh, at least uh, Darwinia it had a lot of elements of like system administration and stuff certainly I mean uh, so do you think it was maybe one of the reasons they ported it was because the guy runs Linux and he's a a Linux uh, 
uh, user? The uh, the developers, yeah, there are a few of them that use Linux, and they port it because they yes they use it at the end user level and wanted to see another port. You know, it's mostly goodness of your heart thing really at this point. Yeah. And their new their new game uh, is it called DefCon? Yeah, DefCon. Global. And is that going to be available for Linux? Most likely. I, I don't know for sure yet. For sure. I, I think I read it once, but I can't be positive. There's some problem with that problem. because they're on Steam with Darwinian now, and if they only release DefCon on Steam, Steam, then it could be less likely to see a you know a, a version available for Linux. So is Steam just a distribution mechanism? You can still download Linux games via Steam? Steam's a distribution mechanism, yes. However, since it also handles the purchasing and all, that's the, if that's the only way to buy the game, that's the only way to get it. And it encrypts the data on the hard drive. So, for instance, um, if you go in and get Darwinia from Steam and try to use that version of Linux, you're going to have a little bit of a hard time getting it to work. And it's certainly not supported by the developers. They would rather that Linux users buy a copy, which is that's how we get it. So uh, you would say that you would we probably need probably need like, uh, like Loki. Uh, well, we need these. They're better managed. They're like Linux like, publishing, publishing is still around. They don't buy they don't, the AAA titles, but smaller Majesty, like Majesty, Majesty and Lisbans, etc., etc. If more uh, more buyers are already out there from Linux games, we'll see more ports. It's certainly right now there aren't enough developers and time in publishing, so it's really matter of customers. So. What was it you were talking about with, with uh, Quake? Well, I, I run the, I run the, the Quake 3 port, you know, the source was released in August of last year. We don't have a release yet, but where the people are trying to make sure that Quake 3 runs on Linux, Windows, and Mac. It's going pretty well. Also, we have free updates, and id Software has even taken some of our changes and integrated them into patches of their own. So we're seeing new games too, like Tremulous for Linux that are based off of it, and other games like Open Arena that have a bit to go, but are, are also based off Eclipse.org slash Quake 3, and you know, you're going to see more easier indie games that are you know, easier for the, in, for the developers to make, and games that were just mods for Quake 3 will come out with this engine that is now open source, and they can you know, have... A, at least these three platforms, probably more at release time. You know, like we have Spark and a whole bunch of other random wacky platforms running. It's a, a pretty interesting thing, and certainly we'll see you know, Quake 4 source released eventually, and I hope the same thing happens again. Some of the uh, open source games are not as uh, polished as those that are commercial. Do you think this is because of the open source model? The, the way that... Uh, open source works, or is this for some other reason? Well, it's what you said, It's for the open source model, and it's also mostly for the fact that there aren't that many artists working on these games. They're, if you're a good artist, you work for a company already, and you know your free time is basically totally gone. So, th this also happens with programmers, too. Uh, the guys who ported Aliens vs. Predator, for instance, you, know, you don't see that port updated because the, the folks who worked on that are out of college and in, and working in the game industry already. Um, but, you know, certainly with, you know, it solely indie solely open source games, games, you can see bad graphics mostly because they just aren't good artists and 
they don't have the money incentives like you do in a commercial game to put out a product. You know, certainly uh, the Civilization Code and FreeCiv is, you know, one of the most obvious examples. The next game it just lacks good art. There Sorry, are all sorts of examples of Do you think the artists haven't been attracted to using Linux because some of the key modeling packages haven't been available for Linux up until now? Oh, that's certainly part of it. Um, you know, Maya is just available now, I believe. There's Blender, and there's a few other packages, packages but, you know, but there's no end-to-end -end solution. You're missing things like Photoshop. However much we like the GIMP, it just isn't a Photoshop clone, and it's not good enough for these people. Yeah. They want, you know, the tools they've been using for years, and we, we also need, you know, more tools like that and more user-friendliness, you know, and those tools will come if, you know, there's ever more desktop reception to Linux. Yeah. Um, I, I hold some hope that Collada is going to solve some of the kind of data interchange issues that have been around. Uh, who, who did you say? Collada? I've, I've, heard, Col I've heard of them. Collada is the uh, 3D file format for interchange of at game assets that Sony's been developing for the last year or two, Sony and others, and it's hmm. now um, implemented well, there's importer-exporters in most of the main modeling packages, including Blender, and they specifically developed it, Sony specifically developed it for the PlayStation 3. Oh, excellent. Yeah, things like that could certainly help. You know, being in Blender is excellent. If people can just take their models, export them to Blender, you know. And another, I think another thing artists, you know, another issue with artists is that they don't see, they don't want to give their work away for free, and they don't want other people... They're usually pretty big on getting credit for what they do. So, you know, um, the the guy who works on Tremulous, uh, Timbo, Timmy, he uh, he's you know always had a problem with getting artists, and I, I think lots of products do. They may have the best coders in the world, but you know if they can't get an artist, yeah. and if they can't get free content, then they have a problem. Yeah. Zach, do you think that there's a, a kind of a difference in um, programmers and students who are becoming programmers are attracted to the idea of open source? Of course, you know, they end up wanting jobs, but they're right. still attracted to the whole notion of open source. Do you think that um, there's a kind of a cultural difference or just a, a kind of a lag in terms of that um, that approach, that open source approach shifting over to the art world? Yeah, I mean, there certainly is. It's 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 that these artists we just don't see them in Linux. You you go into any you know Linux IRC channel, and you, you know almost everyone there has some familiarity with programming, and no one has any art skills. It's just <laughs> okay, really a sad situation. Situation. Because where I do see the artists quite happy to promote their work and just put it up is uh, Debian Art. Yeah. And, and, and even like in the GNOME and KDE projects, there are plenty of artists, and those people just don't seem to translate over to the game projects, and they, they just aren't there. They don't have, they either don't have the 3D modeling talent, or they don't, they just aren't interested. And, you know, obviously this is a huge problem. And why you keep seeing, you know, GIMPs through Supernova in, you know, Tux Racer or whatever. I wonder whether that's just a question of the the artists coming from backgrounds where they typically still use Macintoshes or PCs, and that Linux just hasn't really um, wound up on any of the desktops in the universities for them to get familiar with it. Oh, certainly. And you know the programs that the artists are in, 
maybe they don't see any lake species ever. They might, you know, render off to them, you know, use the server farm, and or they have, you know, some guy, one guy who, you know, understands Linux, and he goes out and sends it off to the server farm for rendering. Because some of the uh, students I was been to at one stage weren't even quite familiar with the um, some of the Creative Commons type. <laughs> Uh, licenses directed to artwork rather than open source licenses. Yeah, I, there needs to be more exposure for Creative Commons, and that—that's you know, there are, there are a whole host of problems here that we're you know why we're not seeing artists, and that that's certainly one of them is it's lack of licensing exposure to the artists. Yeah, they have to realize that they will get credit for the work if they use the right license, and you know there's some policing that self policing that needs to go on there for open source projects to make sure they give credit and you know I, I think the the right opportunities could emerge certainly for more artists to be you know using Linux or at least contributing to open source games that'll show up on Linux. I think there was an, an effort using Blender to um, make some creative works not games but creative works nonetheless that were uh, relatively high profile to be shown at SIGGRAPH, I think, and licensed and licensed under the, one of the Creative Commons type licenses. Yes, there, there certainly are. Um, there was a neat short film that I saw that was made in, entirely in Blender and was Creative Elephant's Commons. Dream. Yeah, that was yeah. it, and it, it was really it was really pretty, and it certainly shows what you can do if you put your time to it. There's certainly a higher learning curve to Blender if you haven't used it before. So people are gonna, you know, Blender is a huge, you know, help for this kind of thing. And the more Creative Commons assets get out there, and especially if we see a a nice um, interface for people to find assets for their open source games, then we'll see more of those. And it would be you know, it has to be something like DeviantArt that is very attractive to artists and very approachable. Yeah. Since artists aren't always programmers, and you know, largely aren't, they 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 don't really want to deal with you know command lines and you know conversion tools like that that aren't friendly. Mm. One of the things that we're doing in our games programs, it's, uh, not even though I'm on the computer science side, we've quite specifically got. Um, Artists and game designers um, doing a doing an intertwined set of degrees, uh, where the artists in first year work with the programmers, and so there's that cross fertilisation right from the outset. And I actually hold some hope that that um, some of those kind of issues about um, getting familiar with different sets of technologies will actually uh, flow from that kind of cross fertilisation. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly what we need. We need more programmers who are familiar with artists and artists who are familiar with programmers, and we'll see their college projects, you know, come to Linux, and maybe they'll, maybe they'll if we're lucky, they'll be interested in it to their, their, the rest of their lives, their lives, lives yeah, as they move into as they the, move the game industry. Game industry. But one of the big issues that I see at the moment is that without some kind of a, a new mega-hit that runs under under Linux, that um, to some extent, Linux without an MMORPG, there's so many people playing games now that just aren't running on Linux. The FPS is still there, but the MMORPGs aren't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we many many people don't know, but we had 
had a working line of Nade Warcraft. Warcraft. And, and this was not really Blizzard. Um, I, I suppose it was the year of having Linux. Linux. It, it was actually it was at day one. I, I played I, it. I played it. Wow. I never got it. could have had that. It would have been it such have a, been a great, great slam dunk slam for Linux. And so there's still resistance to going now, down that pathway even now? Yes. That it just isn't for a reason. The, uh, the man who the made a simple direct media layer works at Blizzard and ported that in his spare time to no cost to Blizzard. So it certainly should have happened. That's somewhat tragic. Very much so. Linux gaming is full of tragic stories like that. Uh, it'd be really it'd great be if really great great that's not going to happen as long as Valve and Valve Linux and like Linux. You know, the ported for dedicated servers and that's Switching to kind of a, a different angle on it, though, the um, the libraries, the development environment, just the, the way Linux is maturing in general, uh, despite some technical difficulties we had earlier ourselves, it does seem to me that the the whole Linux world is is rapidly getting very good to the point where there's not that many technical barriers. It's been getting it's been rapidly, getting rapidly, very, rapidly good very good for the past, for the past ten years, years, unfortunately. unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, we've had yeah, all sorts of false starts. Yeah, um, that's that is true. But gosh, you know, when I start up the Linux desktop now, it, it's just chalk and cheese compared to what I think I used to see five years ago. Oh, certainly, it's it's much better. Um, you know, GNOME or GNOME and KDE are responsible for making that end user experience very acceptable. <laughs> However, there's still a lot of problems. The fact that uh, some of the major distributions, distributions are still very broken in certain yeah, special ways. ways. Ubuntu, Ubuntu makes you run a shell script to even get DVDs playing at all, or at least did last time I tried it. Um, all, all sorts of little things like that break the user experience, you know, scare people off. And mm. we, we need that kind of thing fixed before we'll see wide desktop acceptance on the end user and not just in banks or some other place where people are forced to use it. Yeah, I guess we should put in a little bit of a plug for Gentoo there. Oh, certainly. Uh, Gentoo is not for you know, the the average person. Uh, I use it because it works the best for games, and you know you have the most options with it. it it's just a a very you know not friendly operating system. Yeah, but for for Linux gamers, um, not that I've run any other distros for the last three years, but uh, certainly the the support in Gentoo. Linux games seems to be um, pretty good compared yeah, to... Yeah, it's very good. Uh, some of the Gen 2 developers you know, are, are very big into Linux games and certainly when you see a Gen 2 booth at a Linux world, you'll see them running games and show that they can and they'll be running them well. It, it doesn't really make a difference in frame rate to, you know, what, uh, what version of Linux you're running. The no. only thing that matters is you know a, a scheduler and a couple other, you know, Obscure kernel options and what services you might be running in the background. Certainly, you know, even a base Slacker box can run, you know, games well. Yeah. Like, you know, I might just, uh, you know, if it's okay with you guys, the the one game that I play to any extent is a UT2004 mod called Alien Swarm. Probably only got 50, maybe 100 regular players worldwide. Coming back to the Linux side of things, when I first started playing that maybe two years ago, I think about a third of the people playing, roughly, 
and there were many more back then who were running Linux. But now it's down to probably me and one or two others who run it under Linux. Yeah, uh, there are certain problems with that. And since you're in Australia, maybe you see a few less players less than you would otherwise. Oh, there's um, no one else uh, in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, talking, I'm talking worldwide. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's obviously a huge problem with games that are available being unknown. Many people, I, you know, I still talk to people who use Linux and don't know that Quake 3 or Unreal Tournament 1, you know, Unreal Tournament 2003 and Unreal Tournament 2004 work in Linux. They, they just don't know. And Well, what I find a little bit um, odd is that some of the people who, who play Alien Swarm, you know, they're doing computer science degrees and they're programmers and they're somewhat attracted to running Linux. And maybe I've got the numbers a bit wrong, but I don't think they're totally wrong. You know, the, the essential point is that... Um, even amongst the the people who are pretty techy, if you like, um, they're not necessarily disposed to to running games under Linux. Oh, certainly. I mean, uh, pod, and you know, that's just more of the same. That, that's I think that's mostly more of the same issue. Like, you don't have uh, excuse me, you don't have like Microsoft Word and other things that they require for their schools or whatnot under Linux. Open Office, however nice it may be for basic documents cannot properly handle many things properly um, and and until we see more you know desktop acceptance desktop we're not going to see you know, even CS majors all running Linux and certainly Apple's OS 10 has contributed to the downfall somewhat I mean how you know Ryan Nicholas Gordon certainly runs OS 10 as his main you know laptop operating system and most people do these days well I, I see a lot of interest amongst um, CS students, CS majors in Linux. Uh, some of that translates over to them trying games there, but in the end, they because of the mix of games and they're not interested in playing Linux, you know, only the games that run under Linux, the commercial games, and so they wind up just um, kind of adopting Windows as, as their game platform, even if Linux is what they they have lots of interest in from the technical side. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly part of the problem. If they're missing that one game like Battlefield 2 or Counter-Strike Source or whatever it is, you know, they're going to boot back to Linux, to Windows, excuse me. And, you know, any time they spend on Windows is a loss for us. Uh, they won't be thinking about Linux. They won't be playing Linux games. And they certainly won't be buying them from sites like TuxGames.com. So, you know, it's a huge loss any time anyone spends on Windows and... And, and doesn't use, you know, Linux just even for the desktop. They there needs to be a significant, you know, more significant Linux game releases, and it's kind of a chicken and egg problem. You know, you have yeah. to see those customers before people will port games in general. Yeah. Id Software and Epic are the uh, are just you know just very different companies and are nice enough to release their games under Linux. So how do you think um, virtualization is going to play into this kind of whole debate? I don't think it plays very big a role. I mean, certainly you can't play many, you can't play 3D, you know, intensive games under virtualization, at least not yet, that I'm aware of. And it, it'd be, it, you know, the other way around, you can run Word. Yes, that's an excellent, excellent, people can run Word under Linux using virtualization or whatever. That gets them in Linux more. That gets them, you know going to websites using Linux and thinking about it and maybe buying a Linux game or two. 
And even right. if you just run the Linux game client of, you know, say Quake 4, you know, it reports back to its software. They know that you're running Linux. So if you play it under Linux, they'll know. And that that's the great thing. The more people that show up using it, the more likely you'll see your know, future ports. And it's it's a very you know, important thing not just to buy them, but to also play them and with multiplayer games online. So, so does Epic uh, keep stats as to how many people are playing under Linux? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Have you got any uh, information about how the you know what the proportion of people playing Linux playing UT two thousand four, for example, under Linux I, is? I don't know what it is today, but I can tell you that when I last heard it, it wasn't. It certainly wasn't a large number. It was a couple thousand. You know, maybe more than you'd think, but not as many as you'd like. Maybe right. like. Uh, you know, 5,000 at the most. And do you know if that's been trending up or down? No, I don't. Uh, I do know that, uh, you know, certainly we need more people playing under Linux. And, you know, and since people, like, game companies like Epic are keeping track, you know, they know. And and, and that'll translate to more ports. Especially from their the people who license engines, like, uh, if, if you go and license the Unreal Engine, and make your new game, you'll think about doing a Linux port more if you have, you know, concrete numbers from Epic that say, you know, there are this many people extra will buy it. Do you think it's as hard-nosed in terms of, you know, being purely driven by financial considerations as that? Uh, for companies that aren't Epic and id Software, yes. Uh, if they don't have Linux people in the company in influential places, you'll have problems like Blizzard did, and th then you won't see the port. It's... It's that you know people in those companies aren't interested in Linux and don't have any concrete proof of financial, you know, reliability that you, you just don't see these numbers. It it's also a matter of you know support. It's you know we don't run Linux here. We don't know how to support it. Even releasing an unsupported binary looks bad to, you know, to them because it's they'll still get support calls support. for it, just like they still get support calls from you know people who pirate the game. So there are a whole host of issues as to why we don't see more Linux games. So if we if we turn to a different style of, of game, and I guess um, some people's definition may not include Second Life, but um, Second Life's just recently released a Linux client, Beta, I think. Yes, and Ryan Gordon also supported that. <laughs> um, you know, Second Life's a very interesting game. Uh, one of the problems with that is, and it certainly demonstrates another problem with Linux, which is why we, you know, the America's Army port was cancelled, is, and Second Life has a similar problem in that there's so much middleware. There's, you know, Second Life has the Mozilla web browser embedded in it, and while it's ported to Linux, it's not easy to handle. Uh, it takes longer to compile because of it, and it's a more difficult port the more middleware you add. And companies like um, the people who develop FMOD, which you may have heard of, yeah, uh, from Melbourne, actually. Yeah, and and you know it's a piece of sound middleware for commercial games, and they have a free version too. But for a commercial game, you have to pay per platform for that piece of middleware. And this goes for most middleware. You have to pay per platform, and then you know a Linux port is another platform, so they want you to pay an extra five thousand dollars. And well, you know that costs money to the game developer or publisher, and they don't want to do it for Linux. You know that. They're certainly justified in the fact that they will they may not see that much money back in sales due to the fact that they have a Linux client. It's so certainly, it's, it's certainly why America's Army is cancelled and that lack of time.
did Linden Labs quite specifically um, want to do a Linux port? Yeah, well, where, they've, where wanted, the... they've wanted to do a Linux port for a very long time, and this Linux port is a good example of what you know what we'll have in the future. You know, it currently doesn't have sound and it crashes fairly often, but it'll be great to see more versions um, you know come out and hopefully non-beta version sometime. You and know, so, are they doing that? For technical interest within Linden Labs, or are they really thinking that you know there's another market to tap into? Um, well, Second Life is a very interesting thing, and it's not so much a game as it is, uh, you know, a kind of a metaverse or whatever you'll call it. Um, and that also has a scripting system, and it seems very appealing to Linux users. And for for Linden Labs, I think that they'll see certainly quite a number of Linux users using it if the client gets fully ported and supported in the future. It's my understanding is that uh, Second Life, which I've only tried, you know, gone had a look at once or twice, but that the number of women playing or using Second Life as a proportion is is quite high compared to other games, at least. Uh, did you see the number of women using it? I think that I've seen reports that the number of women playing Second Life is actually quite high. Yeah, I mean that's certainly true. I, uh, you know, uh, you can replace anyway, so it hasn't changed too much. Um, certainly worth buying, I think. Uh, if you, if you, especially if any interest in emulators for like for games like uh, the Nintendo Entertainment System and uh, Genesis, both emulators. Yeah, I, I run name occasionally. Mainly yeah, uh, yeah. showing students older games. Yeah, you know that runs on this too, and and one of the most interesting features of the GP2X is that you can go up to a television, so uh, you know for a big screen action later on. Mm-hmm. All right, Devin, um, how long do you normally go for? Uh, we're 47 minutes in now. Oh, wow. <laughs> and how long do you normally run for? Uh, I don't know. Pretty long. <laughs> it's, it's usually, I think it's usually an hour or something. I'm not sure. Oh. <laughs> All right, well, we just go we until just go we can't talk anymore. Can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> And yes. which yes. distro are you running, just as a matter of interest? Uh, Gentoo. Oh, okay. Cool. And which games do you play? Uh, I, I haven't really stuck to many games, like, exclusively. Uh, I've been playing some Sauerbraten, or Sauerbraten, or... Sauerbraten? Yeah, that one. <laughs> and, uh, some Legends, recently. Oh yeah, Legends looks really good, doesn't it? Uh, I think it's the Tribes clone? Yeah. It's it's a pretty nice game. Uh, and, like, I tried it earlier, like, I guess it was a few months ago, and uh, no one was on, so it was kind of boring, but if someone's on, then it's a really fun game. Mm. Yeah, it looks like it's uh, using the open s- the sort of open-source Tribes 2 engine, and, yeah, really benefits from that. So, so one of the issues in... Um in Gen 2 right at the moment, it's, well, maybe it's wider than that, is the, is the um, is OpenAL transitioning from an, an older version of OpenAL to the newer version that has FreeALUT split out? Well, yeah, I'm not too familiar with that. Um, I assume FreeALUT is some kind of uh, other interface to it, or... Yeah, I don't know exactly what it is either, but it um, was some APIs that used to be um, included just in 
relatively open AL, but they've been split out recently, hmm. and they break some things. Yeah, yeah, I did hear about the uh, breakage. I think, actually, I think Dan talked about it on the show in an earlier episode. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, with uh, uh, going back to uh, SEO, to do you think do that, you think uh, that uh, DirectX, DirectX 10 is going to uh, steal some steal developers away from Linux, or is it going to be like too much cost to uh, learn a new uh, API and whatnot? I think uh, DirectX 10 is going to have a, a, a very interesting impact in that. Microsoft is expanding its um, uh, live anywhere service to Windows now, so there'll be a number of other things included with DirectX 10, such as that, that may make it harder to port games to Linux. And you know, certainly the big the big guys like um, ID and Epic will probably you know do their best to support continue to support Linux even if they do support DirectX 10. But uh, there will be some games that you know. Maybe in the past have have either you know said that they'd have a Linux port and won't in the future because of DirectX 10 or or just you know it will never happen anyway because of it you know it, there are a, a great deal of of uh, interesting new features that are available in DirectX and not in OpenGL easily. And that's been a problem that's in the past. Problem. You know, that's why you didn't see the license plate on your Unreal Tournament 2004 Hellbender Humvee. Um, it took a long time to get that ported properly, and it's only in like the latest patch that you saw it. So it's a very similar problem to that. You know, it might happen. It, it, we'll have to play. You know, wait and see. And we really don't have much of a choice anyway. So, yeah. you know, it, it's really uh, it's really up to the developers, you know, to see what they actually implement from DirectX 10. Especially if it has any kind of direct play, like uh, older versions of DirectX, which, you know, also prevents uh, Linux networking on the multiplayer side. One thing Devin knows that the PlayStation 3, uh, Sony's confirmed, will be using OpenGL ES. So these, you know, the large game companies are still going to have to support OpenGL if they want their, their games to run on PS3. Yeah, but uh, I don't know about what other people think, but it doesn't seem the PS3 doesn't seem to be getting much uh, developer love lately. Well, the the what you see from the media and what you see from the developers is actually two different things for the PlayStation. Most people know that the PlayStation will sell out at launch, and it certainly does have a big. Uh, people will be making games for it. They'll they'll probably have very little choice about the matter because their publishers are going to be saying, you know, people love the Sony brand and will buy anything Sony puts out. Yeah. So it's, it's not going to be, uh, you know, I certainly don't think Sony's going to go out of business or stop making PlayStations in this cycle. They might have less of a... If they screw up and don't lower their price next year for PlayStation 3, yeah, maybe that'll really hurt sales, but most likely, most likely um, they'll, drop the they'll drop the price and people will continue to buy their PlayStation, PlayStation products. products. And the developers will have to support it. And, it, you know, it, the OpenGLS certainly does help us there. Yeah. And, and Devin, it's, Devin, it's 
it's sort of worth pointing out that um, Kronos has now, OpenGL.org has folded over into Kronos, and Kronos has, I think last time I checked, near 100 corporate members. And almost everyone who's in the computer industry but, but for Microsoft are members of, of Kronos. So there's a lot of support for um, a set of APIs that are develop, being developed under the Kronos, Kronos banner, um, not just OpenGLES, but Collada, uh, OpenVG, um, OpenCode, I think, is the name they're using for this kind of umbrella set of APIs that they're developing, which probably have you know overlap with SDL to some extent in some places. But there's a there's a whole story emerging there at, at Kronos. Oh, and Collada's there, of course. Yeah, Kronos looks really interesting. Certainly, this Collada, uh, you know, um, it seems to be a, a way to more properly import and export uh, models and whatnot among different programs. I think so. Anyway, is that right, Jeff? Yeah, it's a um, oh, it's XML based, which you know is not necessarily any panacea, but it's <laughs> yeah, only just looked at this. Yeah, Sony just looked at this, the issue for their PlayStation 3, and I guess it was, you know, basically because their developers were saying, to some extent, we we'd really like a a universal digital asset exchange mechanism, and Sony, I think it was some arms of Sony Research. S, oh, I forget the name of the research labs. I think they're in Silicon Valley, actually. The Sony research labs there have been amongst the prime um, movers on Collada, but it's now got, at least initially, but it's now got quite widespread support, including the all the major modelling and animation packages. Yeah, and, and just like the you know, open document format for Word-like programs, uh, something like this will certainly you know yeah. help out as long as there aren't you know extensions to it or whatnot that are specific to Windows or DirectX or whatever. And since you know, like you said, Sony is interested in it and it works with Blender, it, it could yeah. be a really good thing for you know sharing and working on games from a commercial standpoint. Yeah, I think it's going to be a huge boon, in fact. Uh, Google Earth supports import of Collada-based um, data. Not that I've tried it, but that's what they're saying. Yeah, uh, Google Earth is a really good supporter of that kind of thing. And, you know, maybe if we're lucky, we'll get uh, like Google SketchUp to links in the future, which is, you know, Just a really easy 3D modeling package. Mainly, mainly, or at least it mainly seems to be for simple, quick modeling as opposed to you know, in-depth, detailed modeling, but uh, it, it certainly looks very interesting, and you know, it'd be great to see like support of that as well. I, I assume that supports Collada, or it should anyway. Yeah, I'm not sure which one of the modeling packages for Google Earth supports Collada directly, but um, Google Earth, there's just some notes there saying will does support Collada import. Yeah. Um, that is a really uh, interesting thing if they can, you know, if you see more uh, packages using it and, you know, bringing us more assets for assets. our games, uh, you know, 
commercially, but also especially for open source games. You know, seeing seeing more of those using Collado would be excellent. And you know, especially if there were a, uh, a free repository or you know of Creative Commons uh, Collado models and other objects and you know, textures and whatnot, then you can certainly see more Linux games coming out of that. Yeah, you know, in terms of just that kind of whole open source um, sharing uh, meme, Collado taps quite nicely into that. Yeah, looks like it. The you know, and certainly getting more artists aware in any shape or form of, of sharing their what they make, you know, is a good thing. The more the more aware they are of Creative Commons, the better. Um, and you know, maybe in their spare time when they're not working on commercial projects, they'll make some things for, you know, people to use freely. Well, uh, just uh, taking that one step further, the um, there's a whole lot of commercial developers. There's a we've got the independent scene, but a lot of the mods, you know, this whole idea of um, community-based mods where no one's really looking to get paid, but they just people just work on things because they want to, including some artists. And I guess, you know, I've seen that in Alien Swarm where people seem to have spent enormous amounts of time developing new um, new levels, new campaigns. Yeah, and that's a really good thing. Um, like, uh, you may not know this, but the people who are making enemy territory, enemy territory fake wars, excuse me, who are making that are uh, started out as modders on a Quake 3 mod called Quake 3 Fortress. Uh, yep. You probably heard of Team Fortress, and right, and those people you know made a mod for Quick Three, and then went on to making these commercial games in enemy territory, and you know it, it, it's a very good step in the right direction for people for these people to be interested in you know, community mods and and sharing their their assets, and that that'll get you know more free assets, and these people get exposure. And it, it's a really good circles of or cycle to be in. To be of, uh, and that's you know, according to some people, one of the reasons that movie in you know the movie industry is suffering declining attendance at um, cinemas is that well, games are increasingly taking people's attention. But more than just that, it's the fact that the games industry is actually encouraging community input, community. Uh, community staff, whereas the movie industry chases after anybody who starts to possibly infringe on copyright issues. Certainly, yeah, I've, that's a huge problem for you know, the movie industry by that. And you know, you don't see so much community content on console games, though that might be changing with more powerful game consoles that are more like computers. You know, if the PlayStation 3 actually ships with Linux on it, we may see some form of you know built-in community you know content creation stuff there, and that would be uh, certainly excellent, uh, a good leg up for people to get into the modding community and making their own games. And with game engines like Eclipse or Quake Three and other free or open source ones, you know that they have a, a Crystal Space, for instance, they have. They have a, a good place a good to put place their, to assets, put their assets, and, and maybe they don't have to code so much. Maybe they can only script, script. But still, it's a, it's a good step in the right direction for uh, for getting their games out there and on as many platforms as possible. As possible. Yeah, no, I don't know how much money the um, make something unreal 
competition eventually gave out, but my understanding is that uh, the, the total prize pool was on the order of a million US. Well, that was also in licensing money, uh, or really what they got was uh, a, a free license to make a commercial game. I believe it was the Alien Swarm mod that won that, or I think so. Uh, Maybe it was Red Orchestra. Red Orchestra. Yeah, no, Alien Swarm didn't win it. I, was it. Yeah, I think it was Red Orchestra that won it. Well, and uh, yeah, that's a good example and it's a bad example. I mean, obviously Red Orchestra, they went from being mod team working on free mod to selling their product commercially over Steam, so, so we don't see a Linux client version of that, and that's a real shame. That's a real shame. Um, you know, certainly it could have been ported very easily, but we don't see it. Since it's harder to support uh, a non-Linux version at this point, since they're on Steam. Or a Linux version at this point, since they're on Steam. But the original mod certainly used to run under Linux quite fine. Uh, it did to some extent. It had uh, another problem where uh, under Linux, the um, if you use the this the sniper zoom, it, it didn't render correctly unless you set something and in, in the menus, and that was a bit of a problem. So it was never properly supported, but it certainly did run. Yeah, yeah, and I guess I see some. You know, fine detail issues with Alien Swarm occasionally. I wonder whether um, you know, that's just some breakage under Linux that people don't see under Windows. That's certainly a problem. Certainly problem. There, aren't, there aren't many times many developer teams, teams they release they a zip file and hope it works, and, and there really isn't that much uh, uh, support there support from them for the Linux or even the OS X side. Yeah, and so even though we're talking about Linux, the the games under the Mac, um, I was having a debate with someone at work. It seemed to me that more games were actually supported under Linux than what they were on the Mac. Well, there are a number of games that are under Linux that aren't on the Mac because Linux is available on the Intel platform before Mac was, so it was an easier port. Um, many Mac ports run, you know, don't run the greatest and or didn't at least on the power PC. So them switching to Intel helps us out in a way because you know the more Mac ports they have, the more likely there's a Linux port. Uh, and the Mac is important because it uses OpenGL. Or I think it uses you know the games that go on the Mac tend to use OpenAL and SDL. Yeah, certainly yeah, they certainly they do. Um, Ryan Gordon, in fact, you know, Aculus, he worked on a. Uh, He's worked on quite a few Mac games as well, so, so you know they they certainly do use SDL and OpenAL and OpenGL. They they have no choice at the moment, uh, though you know with um, with things like uh, trance gaming, uh, offshoot of Sega Cider, you know you'll you'll certainly you might see games that are you know using Windows emulation on Mac as well as they do on Linux, and that that would actually. Um, you know, if they're still using DirectX in that Windows emulated, or whatever you want to call it, you know, Windows pretendulated <laughs> uh, version, they'll you you won't see any any port to Linux because of that. Because of that. Uh, it, it certainly doesn't help us if they're you know not actually using those libraries, OpenGL and whatnot. Uh, uh, it, it's real. It's a real um, problem in a number of ways. Well, and is UT two thousand and seven going to come out with Linux support? 
I expect it'll ship uh, a couple months after, or maybe a month after the uh, Windows, yeah, version. Windows version. If we're lucky, it'll be on the CD like it was in Unreal Tournament 2004. Um, or I, I suppose it'll be a DVD at that point. Yeah. Um, um, but, uh, you know, I'm hopeful as long as uh, Ryan so Gordon is still alive still and not hit by us, we'll probably see Ryan <laughs> Uh, we're really screwed if, if for a reason he for whatever reason he isn't, he isn't uh, with us and working on Linux games since to a large extent he's porting the AAA titles these days. And you know it's great to hear Ryan's furiously busy, but um, <laughs> can't he get someone else to give him a hand? Uh, you know you'd think so. The problem is that um, there are very few people who. Have this kind of skill that he does the great, the tremendous amount of knowledge he has from playing all these other games, you know, like Descent 3, when he worked at Lowe, and from there, Eric learned how to do so many things that it doesn't take him very long to do these kinds of ports. So there just aren't that many people who are interested and dedicated enough to do these things, especially if you're starting from DirectX space. They, they just don't know the jail or how to port to it from, from DirectX. So, there might be an opening for um, someone else to help Nicholas out if there was someone who was who had, you know, the, the right kind of knowledge set. Certainly. Certainly. Uh, uh, and, you know, there's plenty of those places, places to learn. There are also indie games that games aren't part of links yet, but are open source. source. And, and, you know, that's a good know, place to start, start to learn. Start to learn. If only we can see you know, more see, people you know, doing, more that, doing that, and and then going and, and writing to and a writing company to a company and saying, you know, hey, you know, hey, I'll I'll port your game for free. If you just let you just let you just release binaries once I make them, I make them. You know, they'll uh, they'll, uh, they'll probably be they'll receptive. Probably be receptive. You email you know, email your company. Your company tell them to respond. Yeah, you know, ten more games. Ten more games. Yeah, just even you know, from a long way away. I can see how furiously busy Iculus is, even as far as, you know, the Bugzilla on Nicholasiculus.org for UT2004. Yeah, there's certainly yeah, there's plenty, plenty of, uh, plenty of uh, unfinished, unfinished parts of, parts of uh, UT2004 uh, that people say. Unfortunately, it's unlikely to see, see uh, many more patches. patches. Um, they're working hard on UT2007. And though, and uh, though uh, might not Nicholas be working not on that directly right, right now, they'll, they'll probably be working on it in the future. In the future. And, and if there are any if more licenses that use that Unreal Engine, he'll be working he'll on those. Working. Yeah. At least for the dedicated server. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's there's bugs in there, that, in the bugs that are on Nicholas.org that, you know, go back probably two or three years and probably mostly stale by now. Certainly. Uh, some of them may not even be relevant. Some of them are. Uh, hopefully those kinds of things will be, you know, ironed out a little bit better in UT2007. Certainly if more people use it, the bugs will get fixed faster because there will be, you know, obvious epic that should be supported and they'll bug Iculus and have them fix these things more often. More often. Mm-hmm. And so, do you know if uh, UT2004 for the Athlon 64 under Linux, whether there's a GCC 4.1 build? Uh, no, I don't. I don't know if it's a GCC 4 build. Um, I do know that Ryan's, you know, experimented with various compilers at various points. Various points. 
it, it doesn't really it make doesn't a really difference, make a difference in user user support. Less part, part, um, certainly, certainly, it's harder support binary compatibility in Linux sometimes. sometimes. Um, there have been a couple there major couple shifts, shifts and, and, and this is why some of older Loki games might not run so well anymore because of libc, GNU libc, and GCC changes that 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 you know make them incompatible. Yeah, the, the binary that I've got for UT2004, the Athlon64 binary, I guess it's two years old now. Something like that. So I think it's a GCC34. Probably. Um, it, you know, it, it doesn't really make that much of a difference, I don't think, to the end user. Maybe a minimal speed up. But at this point, yeah. it does run very well. Yeah, and by and large, it does run very well. Just having a slight issue with OpenAL at the present. Yeah, OpenAL um, in Linux is oddly enough not as well supported as it is in Windows. Um, but you know, it's certainly good that support at all. Oh, Devin, um, it's probably time that I head off and conquer the world. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Uh, yeah, it's what, um, what time is it your part of the world, Devin? Uh, it's 10 uh, it's p.m. 10 here. PM. Okay, well, it's just gone 1 p.m. here and lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty late for me, too. Alright, alright. Uh, so I guess we'll wrap things up. Things up. This has been yet another logger.